hello and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life. I think it's easy to be cynical, but sometimes there is just no other approach to adopt. I use as my evidence of that NFTs from just a year or so ago. Do you remember all of the excitement around that, all the concern, all of the anger? Well, I have to say, I was somewhat cynical. I wrote about it, I looked into it, and I made my decision. Well, this week, I suppose you could say that this episode is a kind of homage to AI, in that it has been created by scraping around and finding other stuff that's out there to provide you with some content. Well, I'm not going to steal anybody's copyright, of course, and I'm not going to put this out as a photograph, but... There's a lot of conversation going on around AI. There's a lot of kind of touch points for it, particularly with photography and image making. And therefore, there are a few things I've spotted over the last couple of weeks that I've scraped together to form this episode. So let's get started, shall we? Uh, first of all, I noticed that Paris Photo, the big uh, coming together of galleries, uh, exhibitions and famous photographers signing and selling books, um, happened just a couple of weeks ago now. But Paris Photo launched this year a new sector dedicated to photography, as it described it in the digital age. Well, a little bit late on that, but never mind. Let's keep moving forward. Curated by digital art specialist, again, not sure what that means, Nina Rose. It will feature, or it did feature, I should say, a selection of nine contemporary art galleries and curated platforms at the forefront of new technologies, showcasing artists who integrate digital realities into their work. Four thematic group, group exhibitions and five solo artist presentations offered in-depth presentation of photography at the intersection with technology and digitalization. Signed and editioned as a run of 10, a photo edition Berlin actually put out one of the most interesting photographs, perhaps the most talked about photographs of the last few months. That image that they were trying to sell and which they claim uh, they were inundated with offers from buyers looking to invest in the new AI movement was the image that uh, I suppose caused a sensation of sorts at the Sony World Photography Awards this year. Um, and it was the image created by German photographer Boris L. Dag Sen. His image, The Electrician, won the creative open category of the annual Sony Awards only for him to reveal. It was an AI-generated uh, image at the ceremony. He was uh, brave enough at the awards ceremony to stand up and say that's what it was. The winning artwork, that image, was put on show in Paris at Paris Photo, um, perhaps due to that controversy, it was up for a price of €20,000 for a print, $21,635 or 17405 quid. I think that'll leave you to sort of think about that. And uh, bear in mind that I started off talking this week about NFTs. Let's talk about World Press Photos, shall we, whilst we continue to scrape the world of AI. 
there's certainly uh, no stranger to the world of controversy when it comes to uh, changing functionalities and uh, ways of making images. And in recent days, they announced that they will allow generative artificial intelligence in their open format category. Additionally, uh, they've promoted images created by GAI on their Instagram feed. These images, which are in essence digital mashups drawing from existing photography, well, wonder what a mashup is, but anyway, are often hard to distinguish from actual photographs, apart from, of course, if you look at the hands, but are devoid of any connection to the real world. This connection to the real world, the world as it is, is at the core not only of photojournalistic practice, but of course of journalism itself. And both moves undermine um, what they actually, I suppose, are set up to do. So an open letter was uh, written to Well Press uh, Photo, I should say, by a number of notaries in the world of photojournalism. I'll give you some of the details. But uh, they basically said, uh, while we encourage discourse about the emergence and implications of AI creations, we are deeply troubled that WPP promotes images that would not be acceptable in any format by WPP's own standards. We ask P, uh, WPP to cease promoting these images and reconsider allowing AI in any form in the contest. We also encourage a discussion about the structure of the categories. WPP should continue upholding and defining the ethical standards of our industry now more than ever. Yours sincerely, David Burnett, Youngie Kim, Don McCullen, Ed Ooh, and a whole range of photo editors, documentary photographers, filmmakers, photojournalists and educators. And World Press Photo Contest, just a few days later, announced that it was updating its entry rules to exclude submissions for AI-generated imagery. World Press Photo Foundation initially said it would welcome them, as we know, as I've just discussed. Uh, our decision met with immediate backlash from the photojournalists, and they were saying that it was an anathema to everything our industry does. Does. The foundation has since rolled back its new AI submission guidance and updated contest rules to bar AI-generated images from its open format category. Thanks to the honest and thoughtful feedback over the past days, we have decided to change the rules for the open format category in our contest to exclude AI-generated images, said the World Press Photo Foundation in a statement. Both generative fill and fully generated images will be prohibited in the open format category, as was already the case in the other categories, singles, stories and long-term projects. I've long been a fan of Nick Cave, right back to the days of the birthday party when I used to use soap to make my hair stand on end and wear more than one belt, although none of them were actually keeping my trousers up. Um, that was back in the early 80s and ever since I've followed his career and I've been a big fan, of course, of The Bad Seeds. Well, Nick Cave has been talking about ChatGPT. I think we can safely say that's connected with AI. And Nick says this... ChatGPT rejects any notions of creative struggle that our endeavours animate and nurture our lives, giving them depth and meaning. It rejects that there is a collective essential and unconscious human spirit underpinning our existence, connecting us all through our mutual striving. Fast-tracking the commodification of the human spirit by mechanising the imagination. 
the process of creation and its attendant challenges, viewing it, viewing it as nothing more than a time-wasting inconvenience that stands in the way of the commodity itself. But the creative impulse must be defended at all costs, and just as we would fight any existential evil, we should fight the forces set against it tooth and nail, for we are fighting for the very soul of the world. In the past week, some of my students have been showing me their websites that they've been building, and as part of that process, I read the little about section that they write to give them advice and support in how to do it correctly. I started to read one of them. It made no sense. It was completely overwritten. I instantly asked him one question. Who wrote this? Chat GPT, he said. This week, we welcome to the podcast to explain to us what uh, photography means to him in under five minutes, Luke Duggleby, who is an award-winning British freelance photographer who has been based in Bangkok, Thailand for over 15 years. Focusing on Asia, he has worked for globally respected media publications and NGOs, producing documentary and portrait work. When not on assignment, he works on his own projects that focus largely on the struggles of human rights defenders and community environmental groups. Duggleby's work has been exhibited in the US, across Europe and Asia. In 2018, he was awarded for his contribution in covering human rights issues in Thailand by the National Human Rights Commission of Thailand. He has published two books, Salt of the Earth and The Invisible Side of Paradise, a pilgrimage into Tibet's borderlands. And he's also the founder of the Sidi Project, which documents the African diaspora of the Indian Ocean. He is a founding member of the media platform Hard Stories, which publishes long-form feature stories about human rights issues and human rights defenders in Southeast Asia. Duggleby is also an assignment roster photographer for Redux Pictures in New York, and he speaks English and Thai. He lives in Bangkok, Thailand, with his family. Hello, everyone, and, and thanks a lot, Grant, for inviting me to ask this question, what photography means to me. I think it's an absolutely fascinating question and, and part of the, the reason why it's taken me so long to respond has been a couple of months since you asked me to do this is because I really had to think about it and actually wanted to think about it um, and certainly it took time to distill it into five minutes. The easy knee-jerk response to this question for me is, is simply everything. Um, Photography has been my obsession since I was a child. Uh, my life has sort of grown and developed in tandem with photography. Uh, so it's very difficult to separate the two. Um, and I think, if I think back to it, the turning point that really changed it for me from being just a hobby and an interest to something that I could actually take seriously and, and even do it as a career was when I won the, the, my secondary school uh, photography competition about the age of 14 at the time I didn't know what a good photograph was and I certainly didn't know that I was able to take a photograph that other people would look at and, and think oh that's a good photo I, I just photographed what I saw in the way that I saw it and, and I won and it was at that moment I kind of realized whoa you could you know you could actually do this and so it's always been in my life I've always I, I always think that to remove photography from my life, not wanting to sound cheesy, is, is really to remove the very essence of, of who I am as a person. 
it's the only job I've ever done, um, other than bar work or, or working in restaurants when I was a photography student. As a result, life has always been very easy in, in the sense that I've only ever had one goal, one aim, to become and then maintain myself as an active working photographer. That's all I've ever wanted to do. And so through sheer perseverance, probably a lot of stubbornness, compromises, sort of a refusal to fail, I have pursued that goal and I, I continue to pursue it now. Um, but what, whilst that, that feeling of needing photography has, has never really gone away, what has changed for me is the type of photography that I need in my life and the way that I want to use my photography. I originally started as, a, as wanting to be a travel photographer and sort of dreamed of being that person who would journey to remote corners of the world and, and document the people and, 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 and places that I, I, I went to. And so soon after finishing a photography degree in the UK, I decided to just leave. Uh, and I left and I, I went first to China and then to Thailand, where I remain to this day, and, and started pursuing a career as a travel photographer. Um, and I did that for best part of a decade. But the longer I stayed in Asia and the more I understood the region and really the issues of the world, I guess, um, I, I began to become increasingly disillusioned and bored with travel photography. So I started to work more and more in documentary photography and producing stories about issues and topics happening in the Asian region. And this came very instinctively, and, and rather than studying it, I mean, my, my photography degree was actually mostly a, a commercial photography degree. Um, and rather than doing workshops, I, I learned from doing in the field. And even to this day, I, I've never done a photography workshop. I've never been to a portfolio showing. Uh, I'm not saying they're bad, and I think they're very helpful for a lot of people. It's just to me personally... Photography is a very personal thing, um, and I'm the type of person who has to do it my do it in my own way, so to speak. And in the last decade, I've also really started to question my role as a photographer a lot, and and ask myself continuously, why am I taking the pictures I'm taking? What's the point of having this skill if it doesn't benefit the people or the communities in the photo? You know, as an outsider, how can I actually help the situation rather than just take a, a photograph and leave? And it was a sort of a big awakening for me. Um, and I, I can actually even pinpoint it to a specific person who was a very inspiring environmental activist uh, who I had to photograph her in, in Thailand and, and, and work on a story about her. And that sort of, she was the reason for me transitioning into this type of work. So my work changed and I started to focus a lot on topics related to environmental justice, human rights, community issues. And for over a decade now, I, I continue to focus on these subjects almost exclusively um, and mostly these subjects in Thailand and Southeast Asia. I still do assignments for publications and NGOs uh, whether it's a portrait assignment or, or news assignment, but my heart is always in those types of documentaries. So to me, what photography means to me has changed. And, and perhaps if you ask me the same question in 10 years' time, it might have changed again. 
Thank you, Luke, for your contribution this week. Really clear, to the point, passion. I love that. Also, really interesting how often over the contributions that have been submitted, photographers talk about that relationship with the medium evolving and changing over time. And in fact, one of the things I'm, I'm thinking of doing, if I'm probably going to do it, is for the 300th episode, which is coming up at the beginning of next year, I'm actually going to uh, sort of dedicate the episode, I suppose, to uh, asking one question, which is, what have we learned? from listening to those contributions. So if you've only just joined us, you might have a little bit of homework to do over the Christmas and uh, the Christmas holidays and so forth, and uh, go back and catch up on some of the previous episodes and contributions. You may, of course, also own the book, which unfortunately is uh, now sold out, where we did collect roughly 90 of the contributions together. So maybe that's kind of like a homeworks cheat guide. But anyway, great to hear from Luke. Very interesting to hear his literal journey with photography. I do hear from people so often who want to study photography that they want to be travel photographers or they want to travel. And I have to say, I'm slightly dismissive of it as a straightforward travel photography, because I do think, particularly since COVID, but it's been working that uh, gradually a more ethical approach, which is to get local photographers to document their local environments rather than flying people all around the country and all around the world, I should say, um, just to create travel images. Do you think Instagram is slightly to blame for this, for giving these kind of bright, glossy ideas of what travel photography is? It's certainly not photographs you take on your holiday. Whilst we're talking about travel and just enough time uh, at the end of this particular episode to say a thank you once again. I've been saying thank you so often over the last weeks because I, I think it's really important to say thank you when people say nice things or they do things for you. And I've received so many emails. I cannot tell you how many. I've lost count from you listeners saying how much you enjoy the podcast. Some of you saying that you really enjoy it, but sometimes it's a bit too intellectual. Well, I, I think you're probably talking about the contributors there rather than me, because I'm certainly not that. But anyway, a lot of those people have been contacting me to also say how much they enjoy what we do, but that they're interested in getting information about the new MA online in professional photography that we're launching through Oxford Brooks University in September 2024. So if you would like some information on that, do drop me an email to gscott at brooks, B-R-O-O-K-E-S dot A-C dot U-K and I'll answer any questions you have and I'll obviously send you the information you need. Anyway, at the end of another podcast, you may have noticed at the beginning I was stumbling over my words a little bit as part of our chat GPT AI scrape. Well, it's really cold in the shed this week. That's probably part of it. And my heater isn't working. But also, I think it would be inappropriate to do a AI scrape that was perfect. I'm going to have a good time over the next couple of weeks. It's my birthday. I hope you do too. And of course, I hope you take care.